0: All right. Well, tonight we have our last question of the big questions. I know that we only had a certain number of meetings, so there's probably some big questions you still have that are out there. Um, Some questions we didn't get to. If you have one, if you have some, I encourage you to talk to a leader, talk to myself, talk to somebody about them. But we did cover a lot this semester. But tonight's question of all of the ones we've covered is the most important. It actually comes in contact with all of the others. It influences how we answer all of the others. And our question is this. And the question tonight, it's written up here in the middle of the board. What is the gospel? Now, if you don't have a scripture sheet, there's one over there. Uh, There's some extras over there on the chair. But would you stand up as we read God's word from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4? you guys stand up? This is what God's word says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is God's living and active word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us your word. You, the God of the universe, have given us your words that we might know you and come to love you as you love us. Lord, would you help us to see from your word the truth about what Jesus has done? Would you dig that deep into our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I want you to think about the last time you got some good news. So just take a second. The last time you got good news. What was the good news and what was it like to get that news? How, how did you feel? i got gotten good news a lot, thankfully. Uh, but one thing I remember specifically was my college acceptance. Okay, I had a college I really wanted to go to. I had filled out applications. I had filled out essays. I had filled out reference forms, all of that. And I got a letter in the mail saying that I would got accepted. I would got in. And that was really good news. Right? Good news like that changes the way we see the world. It makes things better. It makes our day brighter, right? Things will suddenly feel better when we get good news. Well, the word gospel is a word that simply means good news. When you hear it, you might think of the gospels, the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right at the beginning of the New Testament that talk about Jesus, right? But the gospel, singular, refers to the good news about Jesus. Now, at this point, I think a lot of us are probably saying, okay, I know this good news, I've been in the church. I've been there, I've done that, right? But as we'll see, the good news of Jesus, like any good news, changes how we see the world, and we need to be reminded of it. And it means something for us today, to all of us, no matter who we are. It's not just good news, it's actually the best news the world has ever known. So first, we're going to talk about the what, right? What is the gospel? What's the good news? And then we're going to talk about, second, the so what, right? Why is this important? Why does this matter? What do we do with this good news? How does it help us? So first, what is the gospel? What is the good news? That word gospel appears like about 100 times in the New Testament. A lot of it, a lot of it. So there's a lot of passages. I even gave you some passages for further reading on your own, right? But tonight we're looking at one passage, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So Paul, the one who's writing here, is reminding the people reading and reminding us of the good news, of the gospel. That's what he says, right? And then in verse 3 and 4, he zooms in on what it is specifically. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay, let me break it down really simply. There are four things he says in this summary, in these two verses. First, he says Christ died. He says Jesus died. He said Jesus was buried. Jesus was a man who actually physically died. Okay? Second, why did he die? It says here he died for our sins. Now sins is a word we throw out all the time, right? You've heard it, you've been in church. But what does sin or sins actually mean? To help us out, I included a question from the New City Catechism on our scripture sheet. Let me read it for us. What is sin? Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. Sin is disobedience from God, simply put, right? Sin deserves death, like that question says, and separation from God. And the problem is, we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short of God's glory. God who created the world and created it good, we go against that God, right? And so sin is not just out there in the world, but sin is in here in our hearts and in our minds, right? But... Christ died, and Christ died for our sins. God himself became a man in the person of Jesus, took on the punishment that we deserve for our sins, which would be death, right? He took that death upon him. He was crucified. So Christ died for our sins. Well, the third thing, he didn't just stay dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Christ was raised from the dead. The good news is, is that our sins can be forgiven because Christ died. And we have hope because Christ didn't just die and stay dead, right? He actually rose again, showing his power over death. We can all now live for God, and we have the hope now that one day we're going to be resurrected, just like Jesus was resurrected, okay? So Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead. Fourth, all of this is in accordance with the scriptures, right? That, that's it's here in this passage, it's referred to twice, meaning that the whole Bible actually points to this message, points to this good news. The Old Testament points ahead to what Christ is going to be when he comes. The New Testament gospels show the life of Christ, and the rest of the New Testament points back to what Christ did and forward to what Christ is going to do. That's a really simple summary of the gospel, of the good news, from these two verses. Christ died for our sins and was raised from the dead in accordance with the scriptures. This is the good news, that we've been forgiven in God, in Jesus, and now we have hope because of what Jesus did, what we couldn't do, right? The debt we couldn't pay. Now, going back to my example about my college application, I spent a lot of work applying, right? I had gone through all my classes, the GPA was my own, I had written all the essays, right? I had done all my extracurricular activities, and I thought, this is going to get me in. Well, when we come to the good news of the gospel, it's entirely different. You and I can't get in by what we do. We can't do good enough, right? Our sin is so part of who we are that we can't just try to erase it and make it like it didn't happen. It deserves death. So we can't have enough references. We can't fill out enough applications, right? We can't do enough extracurricular activities to make ourselves right with God. But the good news is we still get the letter saying you've been accepted. But that letter comes not because of anything we've done, but all because of what Jesus has done. So what is the gospel? Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead, as the Bible tells us. But so what? Part two. So what? What do we do with the gospel? Right? Is this really the most important question? Right? Maybe we're wondering that. We've heard it a lot. But there's a lot of questions we're asking in the world. Why is this the most important? Well, the Bible here says that it's of first importance in verse verse 3. Why is it of first importance? Well, I want you to see another four things in this passage, right, on the so what. The Bible says it's of first importance because we need to see four things. First, we receive it. Look at verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, right? We heard the gospel. What do we do with it? First, we receive it. Many of us, I think, are probably familiar with this idea. Okay, I should receive the gospel, right? The word for receive doesn't just mean hear it. It means take it to yourself. Make it your own, We've all heard the good news of Jesus, but it's a question. Have we received it? Have we taken it to ourselves? Is it just our parents' thing, or is it something that we say is my own? Verse 2, it talks about some people that have believed in vain, meaning that they believed without cause. They kind of believed at random. They didn't really know what they were doing. And Paul is saying, no, we need to receive it in all of its fullness and to know what it is. Do we believe that Jesus is God, who lived a sinless life, who died for us, who paid the penalty for our sins that we couldn't pay for ourselves? Now, sometimes we don't think about receiving it for various reasons. We might think the idea of sin is kind of weird. That's kind of a negative thing. I don't like that. Maybe about God becoming a man. Maybe about resurrection from the dead, right? Uh, There's a lot of people here who'd love to talk to you if you have specific questions on parts of that. Is it the sin? Is it God becoming a man? Is it resurrection, right? But it's something we receive, first and foremost. The gospel, the good news, is something we receive. But oftentimes in church, we think that's it, right? I've received the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done, now I'm good, Now I'm covered. But we see more things in this passage. Second, we stand in the good news. We stand in the gospel. Sounds kind of weird, but look at verse one. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. Okay? We stand in the good news of what Jesus has done. What does that exactly mean, right? Well, going back, right, college application, when I was applying to college, what was I standing in, so to speak? I was standing in my achievements. I was standing in what I had done. I was standing in my GPA, standing in all of those things, right? And hoping that I would get accepted and get in, right? And then after I got in, I was standing in the fact that I had got in the rest of the day, the rest of the week. It was like, yeah, I might have a test that doesn't go so well senior year, but I've gotten into the school I want to go to, right? And it's something we stand in, right? Which means no matter what we're going through, no matter when we feel like we don't have what it takes, You know, we don't feel like we have value. All of those things, we can be reminded that we stand in not who we are on our own, but actually in what Jesus has done for us. That's actually where our value comes from, right? I want to ask you something. What is it that you tend to stand in? Do you stand in your musical talent? Do you stand in your athletic ability, your popularity, that you make people laugh, that you're smart, right? What is it that you stand in that you think will give you value when things get tough? Because all of those things can be taken away in an instant. All those things will go away someday. But the good news is that we stand in Jesus and what he's done, and that can never be taken away. And that changes the way we see the world. So no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what's happening, you're actually, if you've received the gospel, it's also something you're standing in that makes a difference for what's going on right now. So something we receive, something we stand in, but it's also something that we hold fast to. Look at verse 2. And uh, by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. Okay, that idea of hold fast, right? It's to hold on to, to hold on to tightly, right? Life oftentimes is like a great wind or a tornado. It's pushing and pulling us, wanting us to go that way, trying to take us away. We're quickly overwhelmed with everything going on in our lives but Christ and what he's done for us is a fixed point that's not going to move, that's not going to change, right? And we can hold on to it safely. And the reality is, as hard as we hold on to Jesus, he's actually holding on to us even more. All too often, we hold on to other things in our lives, those things that we've named, those boxes, and we say, this is who I am, and even if everything goes south, and even if everything doesn't work in my life, at least I have that, right? But those things can go away in an instant. Rather, we should stand in and hold fast to not what we've done for ourselves, but rather what Jesus has done for us, because that's never going away. That's always going to be true. The good news of Jesus is something that we hold fast to. Fourth, and finally, it's something we spread. We spread the good news. Look at the beginning of verse 1. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. That word for preach just means spreading the gospel, spreading the good news. Verse 3, he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. You see this pattern, right? Delivering it to somebody, them receiving it, and then spreading it to somebody else, right? Uh, Not only do we receive the gospel, not only do we stand in it, do we hold fast to it, but we also spread the good news, and that way others can follow this pattern too. That way others can see the good news, can receive it, can stand in it, and hold fast to it. Think about this. Let's say tomorrow somebody discovered the cure for cancer and it was absolutely free. Would you just hold it to yourself? Or would you give it away for free to everybody you came in contact with, right? Something you would give away. So the gospel is something we spread, right? We hand over, we pass down. And it involves words, right? Paul is writing the gospel here. Sometimes we think about gospel living and living a good life, right? Which we're meant to do by the Spirit, But think about playing playing charades up here. It is hard to figure out sometimes what somebody's doing if they're just acting it out, right? You need words. And so one of the things we're meant to do as we believe in the gospel, as we receive it, as we stand in it, as we hold fast to it, is we also are meant to spread the good news. That's something we're meant to do. Now, I want to ask you, where do you find yourself tonight? Have you received this good news? Have you taken it to yourself? If not, what's holding you back? If you've received it, how does it change your life right now to know that you stand in what Christ has done for you, not what you've done for yourself, right? For others, you're feeling tossed and turned by the storms of life, right? How can you take your hold off certain things that aren't going to hold you and instead hold on to the one Jesus who's already holding on to you? And lastly, how does this good news, this gospel, right, how does it change the decisions you make right now, but also how can you spread that good news to those around you, to people that need it? In closing, I want to tell you about a book that actually is part of Edith's library that I read to her pretty regularly. And it's a funny and silly children's book. It's called The Pout-Pout Fish, okay? It's about this fish who's a pout-pout fish, has a pout-pout face, and he says he's always spreading the dreary wearies all over the place, okay? And the way the book works is that different sea creatures tell him, stop frowning, start smiling right? Like four or five different sea creatures. And every time he's like, I can't. That's not who I am. I'm a pout-pout fish. I'm a pout-pout face. I spread the jury wearies all over the place, right? And so you think, okay, there's no hope. Nothing's going to change. And he gets lower and lower and sinks deeper and deeper. But then what happens is a fish that nobody has ever seen before comes up to him, doesn't even say anything, but kisses him and then leaves, And then suddenly he changes. His life has changed. He says, I'm a kiss-kiss fish with a kiss-kiss face. It's silly, I know. But he says, I'm for spreading cheery-cheeries all over the place. Right? And it's a silly book, and it's a really fun book, and it's a sweet book to read. But there's something really deep, I think, in that. What changes us is not somebody saying, be better. It's not somebody saying, do better, smile more. Right? But it's actually the fact that we've been shown love when we didn't deserve it that Christ came into our death, into our sickness, into our misery, into our sin, and said, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. And he did that. And so just like the life of the pout-pout fish, right, our life is changed and transformed to love those around us because of the love that we first had been shown. So you can start to see how it's at the core of all these big questions that we've been asking, right? Because of what Jesus has done, that changes the way we live our lives. That changes what we do, right? And sometimes we think about the gospel as something that we've received, and that's fine, and we're done with it. But actually, we see tonight that it's something that we receive, that we stand in, that we hold fast to. And it's good news that we spread to those that desperately need it, because we have been loved and cared for and accepted when we didn't love God, when we didn't love Jesus. I want to close with us for us tonight with a simple phrase that's been used for centuries, right, to describe to God's people what He's done in Jesus. It's three simple phrases, right? I'm going to say it a couple of times, and I want you to just reflect on what this means to you. Reflect on if you've received it. Reflect on how you stand in it now. Reflect on how you hold fast to it, and reflect on that this is the good news that we're meant to spread. And it's this Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let me say that one more time. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And this good news changes everything. Let's pray. Father, it's hard to comprehend just how much you love us. That when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he came when we didn't look good, when we didn't have it all put together, and when we still don't have it all put together. Thank you for your love for us that changes us. Oh, Lord, would you give us boldness to not only receive the good news of what Jesus has done, to receive that, but also to stand in it, no matter what we're going through in this life. To also hold fast to it, no matter what's going on, and to spread this good news to those that need it. Lord, by your Spirit, would you change our hearts and minds day by day, to be more people that are shaped by your good news than by anything else. Lord, prepare our hearts to do your work in this world, to spread the good news that Christ has come, that Christ died for our sins, that he was raised from the dead, and that, Lord, he is coming again for all those who love him. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Give us boldness to proclaim this truth and bless our conversation now in small groups. In Jesus' name, amen.